to help support this podcast and get exclusive bonus content and rewards, make a monthly pledge at patreon.com slash universe box. And, and remember, remember to, to think, think outside. outside. Do, Do not, not adjust, adjust your computer, computer screen. screen. It's your, your mind we're changing. Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universe Box. to your ears this is universe box and it's a bird it's a plane <laughs> it's a podcast i'm bill meeks and i'm scared don't be scared <laughs> I, but i'm really in radius mode but i'm surrounded <laughs> guys uh, look i'm scared don't t- don't tell our audio listeners yet i'm scared but uh, before we get started though we just wanted to go ahead and let you guys know uh what we have coming up the next few weeks uh because we're wrapping up with a uh, this next set of episodes here we are with this set of episodes mm-hmm. yep but uh, let's see crazy. here. But we wanted to go ahead and uh, let you know uh, what we're doing. So if you want to go ahead and send in stories for us, you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, right here at the top. Uh, next week, uh, April 23rd, is the 90s. We love the 90s. Back. April uh, 30th <laughs> is Ghost. Uh, there's, there's not going to be a show the week of the whatever that is, like the first or, uh, the first week of May, uh, because I'm going to be in Regal, at RegalCon in Anaheim, Regal California. Con. And uh, then uh, May 14th is Everything Old is New Again. Basically, reboots. Mm-hmm. And uh, May 21st is Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. The Harry Potter. reason, one of the reasons I wanted mm-hmm. to um, build to go over these at the top of the show is because for Harry Potter, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to be reading the first book and watching the first movie and comparing like we're kind of doing a wonder box with the book. Yeah. And I know some people are slow readers. So if you want to get started, so on just think, I mean, mm. it's a, it's a month or so, and definitely you can go ahead and feel free to send in feedback on any of those topics yes. we just mentioned. Uh, Universeboxshow at gmail dot com. Yes, but that so, was uh, why I wanted to do that. But yeah, so I guess uh, we should go ahead and get started with this week's episode. So Anne Marie, why don't you tell us what's in the box? What's in the box? What could possibly be in the box? I have, I have no, no idea, idea based on our set decorations. What's in the box? Oh, look, it's Superman. Yes. It's a really bad shield. <laughs> I have no artistic talent. Which you're showing the camera because we stream this live every Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. EST at live.universebox.com. But yes, this week we're talking about Superman. We'll climb up on our soapbox to decide if the, Man of Ste- if the Man of Steel is a good character. Then we'll look in the memory box to hear stories from Dean Cain and the real-world inspiration for Lois Lane and... 
and in the Wonder Box, we're discussing Smallville and Lois and Clark. Finally, we'll pull out some questions you guys submitted through the Idea Box, and we also have a pretty big uh, mailbox segment this week, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Probably Everybody about... had a little something to say about Superman this Everybody week. was also kung fu fighting, which was weird. We don't encourage that what at all. Kung but... fu fighting. <laughs> okay, so I guess we should go ahead and get started. <laughs> yes. So Superman gets, you know, I, I'm a big Superman fan. I'm going to try and hold that back until the end of the episode. But out there, you know, I noticed Superman gets a ton of hate. Uh, now, does Superman suck or is he an iconic addition to the to American culture? We're going to hash it out in the soapbox. And uh, the question uh, that we'll be debating in this week's soapbox with Anne-Marie's Superman cape I'm is, channeling it. I'm channeling it for the soapbox. Is is Superman a good character? I, and that's just very broad generally. Like, is he a good character or is he a bad character? Anne-Marie will be arguing on the side of Superman being a good character. Superman, ow! Sorry. And I will be arguing against my own opinion, mind. Uh, I will be arguing that Superman is a bad character. So, uh, Anne-Marie, uh, hug your pillow for comfort. And uh, why don't we go ahead and get started? I uh, got... Point yours, Anne-Marie. Go ahead and get started. Superman is an honest-to-good, honest-to-goodness person, well, alien. (laughs) He (laughs) fights to defend everybody, no matter who they are. He doesn't care. He just wants Mm. everybody good and happy. Yeah, yeah, I think you meant honest-to-goodness good person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can't read my own stuff. No, but uh, he... Channel the pillow. He is is a very moral person, that's for sure. He's very moral. He's very... Yeah. Good things. Good things. Okay. Although some people would probably classify that as a a criticism, because some people you know say that he's he's a big boy scout a, a little too no i've never heard that one before. some might say uh, some might say <laughs> okay so uh my first point is to why superman is a bad character why he sucks uh he's super intelligent yet he wastes his time fighting bad guys wouldn't his powers be better put to use uh, in the lab that he's built in the fortress of solitude uh several death of superman stories over the years have had him curing cancer disease he even finds a cure for evil if you can believe it. But it only ever occurs to him to go and do all these experiments and make all these big uh, movements forward scientifically when he's about to die. It's irresponsible of him not to devote his time to science, uh, considering, you know, he has the finest mind mind in the world. That's probably one of the reasons why Lex Luthor hates him so much, because he's just not living up to, to his uh, scientific potential. Point to me. <laughs> he just wants to live a normal life mm. and be a reporter and, you know, have his love and... He just wants to be normal. He doesn't, he didn't ask to be special or extra smart or anything of that. We shouldn't fault him for not wanting to do all of that. I guess so. So, uh, y- y- so yeah, he doesn't necessarily want to be known for being special or mm-hmm. super. So you're basically saying that he, he doesn't do the things he does for glory or anything like right. that. He does, it, he does it because no one else can or he has to yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. He just wants to be normal. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't, he wants to blend in. He doesn't want to stand out. By doing all that stuff, it makes him stand out even more. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, on the flip side, uh, keeping his secret, his secret identity and everything from Lois, once they're in a relationship, completely diminishes the character. It completely kind of tears down the fact that he's, he's this ultimate moral good guy, right? Uh, now, a good person doesn't lie to their significant other 75% of the time. Uh, the fact that he usually doesn't tell her until she falls in love with Clark specifically makes him seem like a ma- manipulative, c- controlling narcissist. Uh, plus, he makes her beef boring yawn with ketchup. It's really gross. Really? Yeah. It's, a, it's an inside joke. Oh. It's a Superman inside joke. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm <laughs> sorry. This is rough. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. <laughs> 
Um, okay. My next point, mine, I'm really, I'm not a good flow with what he's got here. Um, the Fortress of Solitude is pretty, pretty stinking cool. He's it got is. all that unearthly technology and, mm-hmm. you know, he get he has that escape and what are, you, what are you doing over there? Oh, I'm just pulling up a picture of the Fortress of Solitude. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, like, it's super cool. I want a Fortress of Solitude. That's hard to even look at. Yeah, here's uh, the Fortress of Solitude. If you're watching the video stream here, yeah, let's see. We have uh, the Jor-El and Lara statue, uh, the Sunstone Simulator, um, a the trophy room and museum with giant dinosaur statues wax figures of his friends Wait. and he even has a, a zoo there where he keeps all sorts of animals that he's collected exactly. over the years how cool is that that's a cool part of him definitely definitely and, it, and it, it, it's kind of like his man cave too where he can I go in a man cave he can go and retreat from the the crazy people <laughs> that's the part that keeps him normal mm. as he hides yeah he, he has to go and get away it's Got his it. vacation I knew you were going to kind of get away. Got to get away. Okay. So another thing that really makes Superman kind of suck is that he's drifted away from the initial original concept that Jerry and Joe uh, did way back in, uh, what, 38, right? That's probably wrong, and I'm probably going to make a fool of myself. Now, in the original, like, Action Comics number one, he was more of a a champion of the oppressed, uh, protecting the weak and innocent from the rich and powerful, kind of like a, a Zorro or something like that. These days, most haters, anyway, think he represents the man or he, that he's a tool of the establishment. And they, they, they aren't necessarily wrong, uh, you know, as far as modern interpretations mm-hmm. are concerned. Like, say, usually he, like, he'll, like, push back against, like, say, the military just a little bit, and then he's, he's their best friend and everything. Mm-hmm. And you even see this in Man of Steel, where uh, even, like, the filmmakers had a really good working relationship with the military. Uh, but then again, uh, Superman is a uh, propaganda, is another con- concept that goes back to his first decade. You, you know, there were a lot of uh, comic books back then where, you know, he was fighting Hitler or, you know, helping out in World War II or Clark Kent go, couldn't enter into World War II because he looked through the wall with this x-ray vision instead of reading the eye chart, so he failed his physical. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> but, it, you know, all that being said, uh, Grant Morrison's run on Action Comics, uh, a few years ago back when they did the New 52 reboot, probably about as close as you're going to get to uh, the original concept, for sure. Uh, Tonda Gossa in the chat room mentions Red Sun Superman. That's a good Superman. I like that. Okay. Next point of why Superman is a good character. He's very inspiring and influential for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. He's influenced a ridiculous amount of fictional characters, um, but he's also inspired people in their day-to-day lives, like, well, you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, some celebrities, which sort of brings more... Um, mm-hmm notoriety to his goodness because people see it more oh yeah um because you when you associate when something's associated with your favorite celebrity Mm -hmm. i don't know shack because i know shack uh, is a massive fan bon jovi also i wouldn't I actually just remember uh, seeing cribs with Shaq and there was Superman stuff ever. Trivia, I don't know if you know this or probably not. Not, but uh, back uh, during the death of Superman in the 90s, there were four Supermen who came in to take his place for a while. One of them was named Steel, and uh, Shaq played that character in a movie back in the 90s. I think I knew that. Really bad movie. Well, (laughs) really, really bad movie. But um, yeah, so he's just very inspiring and pretty much, you know, tries to get people or people take his stories and Mm -hmm. want to be that good person oh yeah yeah and i mean you know i i'm arguing against superman yeah. tonight and everything but i i my moral code is pretty much like 90 percent superman yes. stuff so yes it is. okay but another reason why superman should just be put out to pasture dc comics should just sell him off to the highest bidder some 
I don't know, Chinese company and be done with it, is that he's not a very ethical reporter. Superman <laughs> isn't. Uh, the fact that he files exclusive interviews with himself is bad enough. Even when Superman isn't involved at all in the story, Clark has still been known to assault people, break down locked doors, rifle through uh, private and even sometimes top secret files, and trick the elderly even. I, I, I can think of a specific uh, Lois and Clark episode where he trick, tricks an old lady uh, just to get a scoop. Uh, the simple fact that he reports on Superman while being Superman would be grounds for dismissal at any respectable publication, which I don't think many exist anymore. But if they did, if they did, if, if Clark Kent didn't have to be a BuzzFeed feed blogger these days, you know, <laughs> then he would probably be fired. Oh, uh, Bobby says in the chat room, one of my favorite stories was an Elseworlds story where Kal-El uh, landed in the land of King Arthur. I have one. See, aren't you oh, regretting yeah. giving me this pile of comics now? This one's pretty cool, too. This Elseworlds annual here, basically what happens is uh, Superman's rocket lands uh, right before the Revolutionary War, and uh, he helps the British win it. And oh. so it's like, and then it uh, flashes forward 200 years, and you get to see how kind of how America would have happened if the British had won I'd the Revolutionary okay War. Yeah, it, it, interesting comic though but uh okay yeah clark kent's an awful reporter awful okay so my last point is that he believes that people are inherently good sure some people take some turns for the worse but deep down everybody has a good in it and superman wants to defend them and help people to be their best self mm-hmm. definitely definitely yeah. i know i mean i don't agree actually no hate it because <laughs> superman sucks and I'm, I'm arguing why he sucks i now uh the last uh th- reason i th- i think he sucks and i i try to very much because you know i'm a huge superman fan so i have people come to me all the time being like here's why superman sucks but it's always like the same three or four things. Mm-hmm. And so I tried with these to name things that I were pretty accurate. I made them look bad and I'd never heard before. Okay, so the last one is that his guest appearances in other, you know, more popular or bat-themed comic books are pretty much universally awful. Uh, many comic book writers dislike the character for whatever reason. Uh, you know, usually it comes down to, you know, him being overpowered, him being the big blue Boy Scout or something like that. Uh, we, so when they're forced to use them in a crossover event in their own book, they either, uh, you know, they half-ass it. They write him at bland and vanilla, as vanilla as you could possibly imagine. Uh, they make him a villain, which has uh, been become very popular over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Or they transform him into a character of how they see the character, you know, that, that big uh, establishment guy. Uh, they'll, they'll just write him like that when that's really not the character. So the version of Superman that exists outside of his own books and his own movies and his own TV shows is pretty much a, a horrible, horrible, super, unoriginal character. And it, that's another reason why Superman sucks, because the version that most non-fans know is a bad character. <sighs> <laughs> What's that was up? stressy. Anything uh, from the chat room here? Uh, not that I'm really. No, they're they're having some Wonder Twin powers. Yeah, they they're discussing uh, the the different uh, Superman cartoons like Super Friends and Justice League and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, but I think that that, that was a pretty good fight. Pretty good yeah. fight. Yep. I don't. I don't know which Please side. Please don't it... make me have to do stuff <laughs> like that again. I don't know. No, it, it's a Let good exercise. Let me fight things that I know. It's a good exercise to fight to fight against your uh, your viewpoint. I was not in debate <laughs> at all. Neither ever. was I. Except I was. Except that you were. But no, that's why. If if you had to choose though, uh, which side won in that uh, debate? Which side do you think won? Honestly, your points are more motivating than mine. But I do know he's a good person, so he's a good character. 
character. He is a good character. I do like Superman. Don't get me wrong. Don't I get mean, me wrong. In case you're confused at all by anything yeah. that's Superman stuff everywhere. I'm and not a drop to drink. Oh okay, my God, look at that picture. <laughs> okay, well, next up, uh, we're going to hear some behind-the-scenes stories from Lois and Clark's Dean Kane, as well as some anecdotes from the original Lois Lane and wife of Jerry, Joanne Siegel. So we'll be back in a few, and if you're uh, here uh, watching in the chat room, we're going to be in there hanging out with you guys, too, and everything. So don't worry about that. We'll see you in just a few. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent, the star of Superman. Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost. What's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief. Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's sugar smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confounder, that boy knows I like those new sugar smacks. And he knows I do, too. And that's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new sugar smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well... I guess we all agree on sugar smacks. Right. Folks, don't wait. Get Kellogg's new sugar smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. First, she was convicted guilty of murder in the first degree. Now, I'm taking you out of here. Lois Lane is Metropolis's most wanted. Mad Dog Lane. Just to meet us, you'd never think of us as Bonnie and Clyde. The Lane woman is still on the loose. They've got to get to the truth. They're setting up roadblocks. Before someone gets to them first. You just let me know when it is a good time to panic. Open up, it's the police. Don't miss an all-new Lois and Clark. Hi, do you know what this is? It's the letter S. And it stands not only for Superman, but for a lot of other words as well. Speed, for instance. And sky. And spaceship. Also stands for sea and sailboat and storm and sinking and save and sand. Yes, sir, S is a very important letter. So the next time you think of Superman, think of the letter S. Come on, kids. If you want to grow up fast, take one of these. <laughs> One puff and they'll soon be in my grasp. Not so fast, Nicotine. If you want to go up fast, take one of these. With my X-ray vision, I can see the harm cigarettes do inside people's bodies. That's why I never say yes to a cigarette. Snoopor has Superman trapped. He's using kryptonite to destroy his powers. Now you'll tell me why Superman peanut butter tastes so great. Never. So fresh roasted, so creamy, so yummy, that its secret will be mine, all mine. I foiled again. Just wait, Superman. I'll find out. Superman peanut butter. Its strength is its great taste. Today we gather to honor two teenagers who created a universe on a piece of paper. 
Superman may be from Krypton, but he was born right here, in this house, in Cleveland's Glenville neighborhood, from the amazing minds of Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. You know, a little over 20 years ago, Jerry Siegel remembered those early days in a letter to Mayor George Voinovich. He wrote, Cleveland, whose streets we walked, and where we dreamed our wildly ambitious dreams back in the 1930s, during the Depression. We would walk all the way downtown because we couldn't afford streetcar fares. We looked up at Cleveland's Terminal Tower and visualized a costume figure who had not yet seen print whizzing through the sky around it on a secretly tremendous important mission, no doubt. Well, today, that mission would have brought him to Kimberly and Amor Avenues. There are five literary characters known worldwide. They include Sherlock Holmes, Robin Hood, Mickey Mouse, Tarzan, and of course Superman. The influence of these two men stretched around the globe, like the kid near Stockholm, Sweden, who saw World War II happening in his own backyard. But that kid would read about Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in Jules Verne magazine. He saw their vision for a future filled with hope and justice and accomplishment and some kind of peace. And that young boy vowed, someday I will go to Cleveland, Ohio. He grew up to be a renowned science fiction writer and journalist, and he eventually made it to stand here on this very porch to pay tribute to these truly remarkable individuals. What about a young boy closer to home, on Cleveland's southeast side, who would look out of his first grade window and imagined a man flying through the clouds and wondered about other characters captured in the printed word, not only in comic books, but the classics as well. His teacher may have taught him to read, but Siegel and Schuster gave him a reason to want to read and write and express himself, and that kid would grow up owing a lasting debt to Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. A young girl on the city's west side would read Superman behind closed doors because it was seen as a boy's comic book. Well, she was inspired by the Man of Steel and Lois Lane to pick up a camera and capture images that would bring her and Cleveland international acclaim. Now, this world-renowned photographer has worked with the biggest names in, our, in entertainment to this very day. Hanging prominently in her home is a framed drawing of Superman, her constant reminder of the influence Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster had on her life. As I mentioned, they used to be called funny books. But Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster elevated this art to a new and exciting form of literature. Again, it's called the new mythology. Maybe a kid in the 50s or 60s got a dime for his weekly allowance. Maybe he had a paper on it. That kid would go to a drugstore or a newsstand and look at those big, revolving, creaking stands of colorful magazines. And that dime bought that kid a ticket to another world full of adventure and space travel and maybe a trip through time. And it showed that a woman like Lois Lane could be assertive and successful in what was then called a man's world. Even if she couldn't see the truth that what was hidden behind that flimsy pair of glasses. You know, in reality, she knew. She just didn't want to ruin the story. Otherwise, it would have been a waste of a dime for that kid. Let's face it. They embraced those characters. We all embraced those characters, really. But in reality, we didn't want to be Superman. More importantly, they saw the potential and the drive and the great dignity and the inspiration that was offered by two teenagers who never gave up and forever changed the face of American culture. In reality, they wanted to be Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. That's another major reason that we're here today. Next, I'd like to thank uh, our dignitary, who Joanne Siegel, uh, Jerry Siegel's wife. Uh, she, with her daughter Laura, have uh, carried the torch to, to continue to bring respect and acknowledgement and attention to the creative work of Jerry and Joe. Hi, I am in
reception and I saw her across the room and I was kind of shy, you know, I didn't want to go up and talk to her. I even wore a nice suit, which I normally don't do. And I got to thinking, that sounds kind of familiar, right? Um, to me, Superman begins with Lois Lane. You can't have Superman without Lois Lane. Because why else do you put on red and blue in a cape and jump around if you're not trying to impress a pretty girl? Um, so we'd like to present from the Siegel and Schuster Society a copy of the original Situation Wanted ad that Joanne put out in the paper just on a whim to be a model, and Joe and Jerry answered it, and the rest is history. Thank you. Oh, okay, very good. They want to give me a second brick. <laughs> you can put that on eBay. <laughs> they think I can sell it, maybe. <clears throat> um, if Mrs. Siegel would put her head out the door right now, she'd say, Oi, vey, Jerome, what did you do? <laughs> and I'd say, I didn't do anything, Ma. <laughs> well, this is such a great honor for Laura and myself, and uh, to see everybody turn out, and even in the rain. Uh, because it's raining, I'm going to make this short, uh, so Laura can get her turn. But... Uh, what I want to say is this is a very special day, and I want to thank everybody who had a part in making this happen. I won't name names because then my speech will get long, but uh, this is such a special house. As you all know, something very special happened here, uh, which is an influence, surprisingly, all over the world because Superman is known everywhere. And uh, when we went to Sweden, Jerry and I, as guests of Sweden, um, for their 400th year anniversary, and uh, the, the people, the way they turned out, it was amazing. And they had known that they were gonna have a convention there, so people came from all over Europe for that convention. And so we met people from China and Germany and Australia and New Zealand, all over. It was amazing. And so I just want to say, God bless this house and God bless everyone who comes here. Because when you come here, just feel the vibes that are in this house. Because the Rays, the wonderful people who own this house, have also been Superman fans, and they have kept that vibe going all these years. And you would come in, sign the guest book, and just feel the house as you go through. Jerry had tremendous energy. He would not walk through a house, he would swoosh through a house. And, uh, Sometimes it would tire me out. I'd say, don't rush around so much. I'm, you're making me tired. And you couldn't understand that anyway. Uh, it's, the rain is picking up, so I'm going to let Laura get in here. And God bless you all for coming. And I'm sorry if you get wet. But uh, uh, please remember this day with regular pleasure and inspiration. Because it, it, it is a house that inspires people for good and to help others. Thank you all for coming. And now here's Laura. Thank you. Thank you.
And I just wanted to share with you that one of my father's all-time favorite songs was The Impossible Dream from Man of La Mancha. And although it was written about Miguel de, you know, the Don Quixote character, it, if you think about it, and I won't go through the lyrics, I'll spare you that right now, but if you think about it, it had great significance, both for my father as a person, for the impossible dream that it was for him to create this character Superman. In many ways, it had to do with the character Superman himself, and that it also had to do with the, with the effort that the people went into, the impossible dream of making this house as beautiful as it is today. So once again, thank you so much. We love you all, and we appreciate you very deeply. Thank you. Sunday. Great shades of Elvis. An army of invisible criminals. When strange things happen in Metropolis. There's no such thing as an invisible man. Not seeing is believing. Who's there? I've got a weapon. Superman, where are you? Lois and Clark, Sunday on ABC. Well, um, I wrote, I actually wrote two episodes while I was uh, there. One of them was Season's Greetings, another was uh, called Virtually Destroyed. It was fun. When you're on a show and you're doing a series like that, we, I've often said, you know, we work 18 hours a day minimum. I'd leave my house, I'd be home 18 hours later. Sometimes we, there was one day where we shot 22 hours. I, I say poor preparation, but uh, other people say go to work. Uh, when you're there, you have that downtime in between scenes, in between things. I never wanted to have real idle time. You didn't have enough time to go to the gym or do something completely so I would sit there and I would write, uh, write stories. I love doing that. Um, it was my uh, same time I got cast um, to play Clark uh, in Lois and Clark. I had a, a writing deal at Hollywood Pictures, uh, and uh, I couldn't do both because the time commitment was too much for the for the acting. If I were, you know, I, honestly, goodness, if I were to sit down and write another Superman story, I've seen the stories replayed on Spider-Man, on Batman, a lot of the things that we played in the Lois and Clark. You know, we had 86 hours or something of that nature to explore the relationship between the two. And I've seen the same thing, you know, I've, I've seen uh, the Spider-Man movies go through a lot of the same beats that we did, um, and, and even Superman Returns, things like that. By the way, Superman Returns. How can Superman let another man raise his kid? I'm sorry. That's a hard one. I could, that one really bothered me. Uh, but I digress. Uh, so I don't know where I would take it. I would sit down with the DC guys and I would sit down and, and, and talk about it and I'd listen to what some people had to say. But ultimately, I would take all that in and then I would flush it uh, because a story has to stand on its own. Uh, I don't know how dark Superman can get. Uh, he is the most moral of all characters. Um, you have the most powerful man in the world raised on small-town American values, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty strong story, and I'd like him to be able to keep those values. It looked like Captain America did a good job in Avengers, um, and I'd like to see it you know, handled somewhat in, in the same way. Um, and if I had a real good story uh, for the, the next film, I would copyright it to, to the nth degree before I ever showed it to anybody. That is for sure. But at this point in time, I don't have anything. Um, you know, George Reeves, I think, did a great job. Uh, I, I really enjoyed his Clark Kent. The Superman, eh, well, you know, what could you do back in the 50s? It was a little different. He was laying on a box and he jumped off of uh, the little um, trampolines, I suppose. Uh, Christopher Reeve was my Superman. 
He was the Superman I had growing up, and he is the Superman that I modeled my character after uh, when I played Superman. Clark Kent uh, was much more the George Reeve uh, style, so I sort of stole a little bit from each of them. Footnoting where applicable, because I would want to take their their uh, thunder, but those guys did great jobs. And when we had started with Lois and Clark, Deborah Joy Levine, she came up with a different take, and it was her take uh, that spoke to me, and it was very clear to me that I felt very comfortable with what she had created on the page. And she continued that, and, and the show continued in that vein. I was very well aware that I was stepping into the shoes of, you know, possibly the greatest American icon ever. Saying that and then understanding what that means are two different things. So when I first started, I said, oh yeah, sure, of course. I'm, I'm going to play this role, and it's great. And someone said, your, your life will never be the same after this. And I said, I don't know what that means, really. And, uh, probably for the first year, it was a really tough transition because I, you do so many photo shoots and so many things, and so brand new to you. I would be asleep in my bed thinking that, like, I was having pictures taken of me. <laughs> I mean, where's the psychologist on that one? Uh, it just felt like there was a, it's hard to have that lack of, of privacy and the loss of anonymity. I can't imagine how I would handle that had I been even younger. So it's tough for some of these kids who, who get a degree of fame. Then as you get older, you realize it's all, you know, make-believe anyway. Uh, and it's very fleeting, and you watch the next guys come in and do that, so it puts it all in perspective. Um, but I, I didn't feel daunted by the task because of, of the way that Deborah Joy had created the character. Um, I felt really comfortable. In fact, we'd gone through the audition process, and I was working on it, working on it, and I was doing well. And they, one night they wrote a new scene and had us come back the next day to do that scene. When they wrote that scene, um, I knew the job was mine. And the scene they wrote was uh, where Lois had been had come had come to Clark's apartment um, and was a little intoxicated and wanted to get it on. And Clark, being the most moral guy in the world, wouldn't, wouldn't do such a thing. And uh, so that was the scene. And, and I knew how to play that. I don't know how. But I, but I felt very comfortable. And that's when I knew that I was going to, in my head, uh, get the role. I felt like I was the guy to get it. Uh, the Superman curse. There is no Superman curse. I mean, that's completely fabricated. Kirk Allen lived to to very ripe old age and um, did fantastically. And if I can live as long as him, I'll be lucky. Uh, George Reeves, that was a, you know, his situation was pretty tough. Um, there was a lot that was going on then, and he may have had his own demons, and uh, I, I don't really know if there there is a final decision on what happened to him. Um, I never saw the Affleck movie, that, uh, but I'd like to. That, that portrayed that, but I really don't know the situation there. Christopher Reeve, as tragic as things were, it could very well be argued that he's extremely triumphant, and what he did and what he overcame was amazing. Um, and certainly in my life, I, I feel pretty non-cursed at this point in time. Brandon <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Ralph, a great friend of mine, great guy, seems to be doing just fine, and now we got Henry Cavill. So the reality is most of us haven't had any real problems, so I think that Superman curse is a myth. <laughs> well, I never wear the Superman suit around to, to uh, impress my son, but um, there's been a lady or two, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, uh, we were picked up for a fifth season, so at the end of the fourth season, we were getting ready to come back for a fifth. And then Terry was, uh, she got pregnant and was going to be very unhealthy for her and her unborn child to, to work. 
Warner Brothers played around with the idea for a little bit and then said, you know what, we're just, we're done. And uh, that was the end. If I had known that we weren't coming back, I would have pilfered so many of those suits and so many things. I would have started, you know, getting my bags full of stuff. Uh, so unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't get a, uh, I didn't take a suit home. Uh, and, uh, you know, walking around in this suit, on Halloween would be kind of a scary thing to be like, doesn't that guy know he's not the character anymore? <laughs> so I, I can let it go with, with grace. Uh, I just want to know what you admire the most about the character Superman. Obviously, we have our own things that we love about Superman, what he means to the world, what he represents. Uh, what does he mean to you? What do you hope he will leave for generations to come? I mean, he's modern myth and legend for the world. Uh, well, you know, I think... Uh, we touched on this earlier a little bit, and I think the thing about Superman is, you know, here he is this, you know, we're America, we're a nation of immigrants. He's an immigrant, if you will. I met a, someone from uh, from the INS yesterday, and they asked me to sign a picture. And I wrote, don't deport me. <laughs> you know, it's like a Superman photo. Uh, we are a nation built on immigrants, and, and it makes us so diverse and so strong. Uh, and here you get a guy coming in from another planet who who is raised in small-town America on small-town values and what he says, uh, you know, truth, justice, and the American way. I think that's what he represents. I think that's about as wholesome as it gets. And, and that, to me, is the essence of Superman and the essence of America, and I think it's the greatest thing that we have. Uh, that's, a, that's a very good point, which is a very rarely brought-up point. Which is, I'm a quarter, <clears throat> quarter Japanese. I was actually born Tanaka, was my given name. Um, and the funny thing was, when, when I was first cast, it was one of the, it was amazing because um, the internet was in its infancy, that's how old I am, <laughs> and uh, we were starting to hear comments and things of that nature, and there, there was uh, someone, some literary genius out there, who wrote, uh, Dean Cain is Superman, we wanted Superman, not Sushi Man. Oh. My brother laughed so hard at that. <laughs> You know, that was the funniest thing in the history, and I thought it was hysterical, because I was raised here in America, I never saw myself um, <clears throat> looking like an outsider. In fact, one day, uh, uh, one of my friends, when I was a, a young, young kid, 10 years old maybe, had asked, he said, hey, Frank's sister wondered if the Chinese kids had moved out, and I was like, well, what Chinese kids? And he's like, you. <laughs> consciousness that I looked um, Asian. I never even thought about that. Uh, it was interesting. Um, I've always been sort of perceived as an all-American type person. I played football. I was a you know, captain of the football team. I did very well in school. Uh, I never thought of myself as anything other than completely American, which is, uh, I think, is a great connection to Superman. Here is a Kryptonian who is nothing but an American, fighting for, again, truth, justice, and the American way. Um, the fact that that could be in any way controversial is shocking to me. Because I think the American way, is, as I look at the rest of the world, is the, the, the best way and represents the, the, the greatest beacon of light out there. Um, as far as uh, playing iconic characters, you know, you don't think about it in the moment. You're, you're doing your best and people are, are around you. And there, are a lot of, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, but at the end of the day, you do the best you can. And I, I didn't know if I was going to be well-received or not well-received. And there's always people who aren't going to like you. As an actor, you need to have a thick skin. If you take it too personally, it will destroy you, and it's destroyed a lot of people in the past. Uh, I just, 
as I'm an athlete first, and so I sort of approach my work as an athlete and say, okay, I'm going to do the best job I can, and if people like it, great, and I appreciate that, but if they don't like it, I'm, I, I will have to say, sorry, you know, um, that I've done the best I can. And it's, it's something my father told me early on, he said, <clears throat> he said uh, if you read your reviews and you start believing them, you're going to get lost. And if you read the good reviews, you need to read the bad reviews too, and you can give them both, you know, it's going to destroy you. As I always do with my father's advice, I just, I took part of it and put the other part away. So as it works now, if I get a review and it's a good review, I'll read that. <laughs> Nah. Gosh, Clark, we've got to get back to the office and call London before the meeting's over. Taxi! With the AT&T card, your people have the power to handle business better. Taxi! Taxi! From anywhere to anywhere. Come on, Clark. Uh, it's okay, Mo. Everything's taken care of. You always disappear in an emergency. Order the AT&T card. It gives your people enormous abilities. And we're back. Uh, yeah, and uh, just a couple couple of things I wanted to point out. One, that a uh, Superman house event that uh, we pulled those clips from, that was such a fun event. It was basically mm-hmm. uh, the Screaming Tiki Con in Cleveland. Uh, it had me up, and uh, I got to meet uh, Brad Meltzer, Joanne Siegel, oh, who you, you, you saw there. Uh, so a lot of the Siegel and Shuster families were all there. There was this giant Superman cake that was probably eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just sat around eating cake, and they, they were telling stories. It was a really good time, really good time. Oh, and yeah, also I wanted to mention uh, – that last commercial we played there before we came back, I in preparation for this episode, I was surprised with how much commercialized stuff there was out there with Superman. If he right. wasn't shilling something, then he was featured on it. You know, right. and sometimes it was both. So you know, a lot of those people who were big haters about Man of Steel and all the product placement and everything, mm-hmm. long storied history of uh, whoring himself out. I guess happens from yeah, Superman. Sometimes you just gotta whore yourself out. Okay, well we're gonna uh, get into the Wonder Box here in a minute or two, but first we wanted to. To uh, just uh, briefly mention our Patreon, Hi, Marie, we wanna... do a Patreon. Yes, right now we're producing three weekly episodes, um, and over the past couple months, we've been expanding our quality and quantity of our content, and we're looking to branch out to do more um, nationwide fan events and bring more exclusive content, new podcasts, new specials, what have you. Um, Patreon is the easiest way for us to help sponsor this, and um, it's easy. You can do a monthly donation anywhere from ten cents to ten dollars at Patreon.com/slash universe box each level is going to give you different rewards like free books exclusive content we can sing you a song i think we owe a couple people songs by yeah the way. we still need to record this yeah um uh, we'll write you a letter um who knows you might get our deep darkest secrets you might get a poem who knows it could just be a grocery list um <laughs> your donations have also helped us to already get rid of ads outside of our um, own internal ads um and throw a party once a month for all of our patrons online um, our next milestone is to be pr- producing um, bi-weekly movie commentaries. So it's going to be like sitting down with us, grab your popcorn, watching a movie and snarking our way through it. Um, to support us, go to patreon.com slash universe box to make your monthly pledge. And your donation goes towards helping us to bring you even more great content. Thank you, patrons. Oh, yes. I, thank, thank you. Big thanks to our 21 patrons who 21 have us up patrons. to nice. 139.50 so far. Woo-hoo! So. 
Excellent. Okay. I love it. Thank you, guys. Thank we you, love guys. you. We love you, John. We awesome. love you. Okay, uh, now it's time to find out if we'll rediscover the wonder we felt from our favorite movies and TV shows in The, the Wonder Box. Now, uh, which uh, uh, t- wrong, oh, wrong, wrong thing. One. Hold on. Dragon. There we go. That okay, which works. TV Superman is the real deal of steel? Join us as we travel back to Smallville. Well, several versions of Smallville. We're watching Lois and Clark and the Smallville pilot this week on The Wonder Box. Uh, now, Anne-Marie, I, I, I guess we'll go ahead and start with uh, Lois and Clark. Would you like to read our rhyming episode summary? Sure. Why not? Cool. <clears throat> a man from the past shows up at the planet. If time is a track, then H.G. Wells ran it. He needs some assistance from young Lane and Kent to track down Tempest, a future malcontent. Hop on the time machine. It's time to embark to Smallville's past in Lois and Clark. Lois and Clark. Lois and Clark. This is actually a uh, Tempest Fugitive, uh, is the episode we'll be discussing today. It's actually uh, one of my favorite episodes, or actually my favorite episode, for sure, of Lois and Clark. But uh, before we get started in our main discussion, uh, Rebecca Johnson, who, uh, you know, is an occasional contributor here on the the Universe Box, sent in a video. Uh, It'll kind of give you a good idea of what the episode was about if you haven't seen it, too. So uh, go ahead and take it away, Rebecca. Lois, did you know that in the future, you're revered at the same level as Superman? Why, there are books about you, statues, and interactive games. You're even a breakfast cereal. But as much as everybody loves you, there is one question that keeps coming up. How dumb was she? That's a question Tempest asks on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and a question Rebecca Johnson asked in real life. When I was in high school, I very vividly remember sitting in French class and talking in English about how much of an idiot I thought Lois Lane was for not being able to see through Clark Kent's glasses. I wore glasses back then and was pretty sure if I took them off, people would still know it was me. Rebecca glasses on, Rebecca glasses off. Ten years later, I started reading Superman comics and watching all of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and began to see Lois Lane in a brand new light. (sighs) Surprisingly, she became one of my favorite characters. Lois was a go-getter, a truth seeker, and a reminder of all the muckrakers like Ida Tarbell and Nellie Bly that I had studied in college. Female journalists who challenged big businesses and investigated wrongdoings, not unlike Lois Lane, fighting for the integrity of the Daily Planet and writing exposés on Lex Luthor. Terry Hatcher's Lois is the embodiment of all the awesome things about the character. Despite being galactically stupid about Clark in the episode Tempest Fugitive, Lois goes on a great rant about lying, does what she can to help, and shows compassion for the people she cares about. No wonder the people of the future hold her in such high esteem. Terry's Lois Lane is the standard by which I judge all other incarnations of the character. So Universe Box, I hope you enjoy her just as much as I do in the episode Tempest Fugitive. And thank you very much, Rebecca. Awesome video. Definitely. Definitely. We need to figure out some way to get her actually have her. her on. Yeah, that would be good for starters, yeah. for sure. Okay, so we'll go ahead and get started talking about Tempest Fugitive here. I, now, basic premise, H.G. Uh, Wells brings a guy named Tempest uh, back from the future. He steals a time machine and tries to abduct baby Superman from the rocket ship. Baby Superman! 
that lands in Smallville. And Lois and Clark have to steal that baby back. Steal the baby. Uh, now, uh, having the hero involved in his own origin like this is a very common superhero trope. Uh, the Flash comes to mind, for example. He was the lightning that hit himself to turn him into the Flash. Uh, usually, uh, it's a fun way to tell the origin story without actually just being a boring retelling of the origin story. It's kind of like, you know, they'll do this kind of story like issue 25 or so when they want to touch back on the origin without doing a whole nother origin issue or something like that to bring in new readers. Uh, now, I, I know of several Silver Age Superman stories that did this too. In fact, uh, Elia S. Maggins, uh, Miracle Monday, uh, travel agents from the future actually book trips uh, back to Smallville in the past to the day that Superman's rocket landed. Like, you can go to walk into a travel agent in like 22... 27 or something and be like hey i want to go back to the day superman's rocket landed and uh, so you know it's very similar to the kind of a utopia that we hear about uh from tempest's time period in this episode now i, I thought it was uh one thing about the the whole tempest trying to kill baby superman and everything mm. he what he does is he stacks little kryptonite rocks around the rocket <laughs> which is like one the slowest and two the cruelest possible way to kill a baby it's like a ever baby baby superman baby superman yeah so you know in i i just love tempest so much he's he's just like a very like scenery chewy kind of villain he actually mm-hmm. uh, the actor i forget the uh, the name mm-hmm. uh but the actor actually has a background in soap operas which that really reads yeah. uh in this episode I, oh what was that I, okay so sort of going with your killing i just realized that you were to the bottom of your point mm-hmm. what? Uh, well you, let me just mention that if you like tempest in this episode there are a few other episodes with tempest but yes ahead. i was gonna say but superman touched the baby Yes. He can't, you can't touch the baby. There, you cannot touch other versions of yourself. This is the one thing I've learned from everything time travel. <laughs> the one rule you knew. The one rule I know. You cannot interact with another version of yourself. You especially cannot touch them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the world goes kaplowy. It should. It should. It but apparently, should. not on Lois and Clark. Well, it, so I it, just, uh, that really drove me nuts. <laughs> It, was it was there something else here that you had? Um, that was my jump in on your point. That wasn't my actual okay, point. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, go ahead and uh, move yeah, on. That to- was my jump on. Yeah, and there's some more. Uh, well, I guess I'll go ahead and address it here. Another kind of wonky time travel thing they have in this episode uh-huh. is that, uh, you know, it, Lois finds out that Clark's Superman throughout There's... the course, course of the story, which of course means they have to do something to reset it back to the status quo before the end of the episode. And what they do is they, H.G. Uh, I, I, Wells explains that if he takes the Lois and Clark back to before he arrived to pick them up, that they'll forget everything that happened, which is just like, sense. it doesn't make sense at all. And it, it also, Tempest, uh, we see Tempest, the last shot of the episode he's still in that prison back in the 1800s and if if uh they were brought back before they ever left and it was all undone then why is tempest still in jail back in the 1800s right okay well if they're brought okay brought back to before he landed Mm -hmm. they went back they didn't go forward. They already were back before he landed. Oh, yeah. Well, so just even... in the past, in the 60s and right. the 1860s yes. or whatever. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a head scratcher. Yeah, it, and it's just especially for an episode that is so obviously a ripoff of Back to the Future. Oh my gosh, uh, so many yes. things, even Clark like fading out and everything. So many like little references. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ma and Pa Kent mm-hmm. play By younger Ma versions of themselves and everything. It, it's kind kind of lame that the the time travel rules were so loose, so loosey goosey. Especially compared to you know just basically there are like four rules for time travel that everybody knows. Yeah, and don't they, touch they, yourself. They just broke them all. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. So my actual point though was why does Superman and his descendants seem to take away all technology and technological advancement in the future? Like because mm-hmm. Tempest shows up and he's like doesn't even know what a gun is. Yeah. Which I understand it's a peaceful utopia, blah blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. But like he knows no technology. Um what were they scared of? Well, may- maybe uh, maybe uh, society has evolved to such a place that it doesn't really need technology anymore. Maybe may- or it, people don't. Well, actually, I was thinking about this uh, we, when they mentioned it in the episode. Uh-huh. And it actually kind of reminded me of Apple because Apple, uh, one of their kind of main things that they do as a technology company is they try to make technology simpler so novices can use it. And every iOS iteration gets simpler and simpler mm-hmm. to use. Every uh, version of their desktop operating system gets simpler and simpler to use, and you have less access to the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff, which I personally hate because I'm a big geek. But I, I could, like it. I could definitely see you know a couple hundred, few hundred years down the line, mm-hmm. be, it, it being to the point where you don't really interact with technology as far as like in a creative way it's just there like a, a friend or a butler or, mm-hmm. you know something like that to where you, do, you don't really see the technology you just see that your coffee was ready you know that sort of thing okay i can buy that mm-hmm. i can buy that a little bit um it also completely bothered me that superman was able to put together a perfect replica of the time travel spaceship mm-hmm. in no time well superman's a master craftsman apparently he can do an exact replica speed so that that bothered me <laughs> Oh, I was going to say here, um, Scotty Scotty mentions that, yes, uh, in some versions of time travel, when you time travel, just anytime you time travel, you're creating an alternate universe, which it totally makes sense, too, because, I mean, H.G. Uh, Wells and Tempest travel back to the 1800s and rob a bank with, what, Billy the Kid or something like that? No, it was uh, Jesse, Jesse James. James. And so Clark's never heard of this, but then when they come back to the 60s uh, or when they show up in the 60s Smallville, they realize that uh, or they see a reenactment of the robbery well, and Clark's like that's new that wasn't it wasn't Jesse James mm-hmm. it was Tempest and H.G. Wells that yeah. were robbing the bank yeah yeah exactly okay oh yeah because then yeah. yeah with all the bad jokes in the bar with Jesse yeah. James and performance issues and stuff like that. yes okay was that your oh no I think you're still no Oh, you're good? I'm good. Okay, so uh, going back to that utopia, I uh, just wanted to mention that really that that end game for the Superman mythology is common in a lot of different Superman mm-hmm. stories that, you know, eventually society ends up in uh, as a utopia because of Superman's influence. Uh, for example, I, I'm thinking of a couple of examples. All-Star Superman, mm-hmm. uh, that ends up spoilers. He ends up driving the sun for all of eternity that that's kind of his ultimate fate kind of very mythical too mm-hmm. sort of like a you know like greek god kind of thing uh, other versions uh, that i can think of one by uh, elliot s magan he did for superman 300 had uh superman you know he lives a, superman generally lives a long time because he's super right Correct. so it has him going through space for thousands of years saving all of the planets until the universe dies and gets reborn, and he ends up uh, being the Adam to another person's Eve oh. on a new version of Earth, like when the universe reboots kind of thing. So that's a, that's another kind of utopia thing. And I guess uh, Red Sun by Mark Miller mm-hmm. uh, does that as well, where Superman uh, Superman is, this, I believe, the son of Lex Luthor, who's sent back through time when Earth's about to die, and he lands in modern day and becomes Superman. 
yeah, it, it's a big Ouch. time loop thing. <laughs> but uh, now, uh, Lois and Clark uh, is part of that utopia. It's H.G. Uh, Wells mentions that the utopia is formed because of Lois and Clark's love. Uh, it's a very common theme on Lois and Clark that, you know, Lois and Clark are tr- have true love. They even uh, address the concept of them being soulmates and like flashback through their previous lives in a future H.G. Wells episode after Lois was a frog clone and got married but didn't really and all this ridiculous show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Lois Lane, uh, the concept of Lois Lane as the dumbest woman on the planet that Tempest mentions and Rebecca mentioned in the video. Uh, it, it, it's a very common criticism of the Lois character and of the secret identity in general. General. Now, they do provide H.G. Uh, Wells, uh, when him and Lois are talking, provide an explanation for it anyway. And he, he says that uh, Lois Lane was uh, blinded by true love, which I, I can totally get. True and also gave me, gave me a lot of wafts, wafts which is, uh, if you don't know, is a warm and fuzzy feelings, which is what we, uh, back on the Lois and Clark listserv back in the 90s, is how, what we used to do when they had like a really super uh, duper lovey, shippy kind of moment on Lois and Clark. We would waff. Woff, woff. Uh, now, the, the whole reveal of his secret identity to Lois, especially considering, uh, I think, 10 episodes down the line, they actually did it for realsies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, felt, it felt like a kind of a way to gut gauge audience reactions and see if there were any complaints that they could maybe correct for before the season finale happened. Because the Lois and Clark crew were really good. They actually read the listserv that we posted to. Oh so they God. got fan reaction right away. Oh, uh, well, they loved to see, woff, but I also thought it was a very convenient mind wipe. And I, we already talked about my issues with the uh, time travel stuff, too. So <sighs> anything from the chat room there? Uh, mm. I don't think so. Yeah, they're, they're just talking-, talking about the guy who played H.G. Wells. And, oh, well, now we've crossed into Doctor Who, so I'm going to have to hop out of there before <laughs> it gets crazy. Um, so H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. Why was he bringing this guy again? Like, why did he trust this guy? I think mm-hmm. I missed it. Oh, well, I think he was just basically he grabbed Tempest because... Because, well, he was in a utopia, so he was like, there's no criminals here. You know, there's no crime anymore. So I'm fine to just grab any old guy and bring him back to – because remember he said he was bringing someone back as proof to his – Yes. You know, his his uh, English society of smart people or whatever. Yes. Okay. So So – Okay, so mm-hmm. I didn't completely miss it. Because he's evil. Mm-hmm. You've well, got to screen these people, HG. <laughs> screen them. Ask them some questions. Well, I think, you know, in the, that utopian society that he lives in, like, it, it had never occurred to him that you could, like, mug somebody before or you could shoot somebody or do something dastardly before it. But then he dastardly. he's brought to this universe where, oh, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you can. And it, it, it's, it intrigues him. It, but he, he's a very ambitious and he has a lust for power, too. He eventually becomes uh, – tricks his way into becoming president of the United States for a while, too. Beats out Fred Willard uh, for, for the part. Uh, That's fantastic. For the office. Okay, so uh, does it pass the wonder test, Amory? No. No. Okay, no. why? Please don't make me ever watch that again. Um, As I say in the notes, kill it with fire. Um, I'm just not a fan of this see and you're gonna tell me i'm wrong mm-hmm. i don't like this kind of show like and fa- mm-hmm. i know you compared it to once it doesn't feel very oncey to me yeah see it like for, for me it feels a lot like once upon a time which is also a show that's on abc sunday nights at 8 p.m so it's right. aiming at the same demo too i believe desperate housewives was there for a while too which would be terry yeah so <laughs> there's more of that um maybe it's just mm-hmm. this flavor of cheese is not mm-hmm. really my thing i also think if i'm gonna like something this cheesy or whatever i have to already like the basis of the story Mm. and honestly i don't recall ever knowing or seeing a comic book in person until 
I got together with you. <laughs> it's just the comics and mm-hmm. superheroes were not part of my life growing up. That's totally fair. You know, next ne- next time we do a Superman episode, maybe I'll try and no. find the perfect Superman episode for you. No. Because this, this just happened to be my favorite Superman episode. I'm sure there's one out there for you. Maybe if I can find one that has a Lorelai Gilmore as the guest villain. <laughs> Anything with Lauren Graham would be great. <laughs> and as for me, yes, of course, it passed the wonder test. It gave me the same exact wonder I felt when I was younger. I, you know, this is my favorite episode ever of my favorite Superman show ever. So, of course, I loved it. And it gets so much right about the concept and the characters. It has a fun time travel romp. It shed lights on the characters while responding to criticism of said characters. And Ma and Pa Kent are an absolute delight in their alternate Kents, uh, you know, their alternate versions of the Kent. Although the young paw kent really wasn't very convincing no not at all not not so a, much. they just slapped a wig on him more Pretty or less much. okay so uh, next up we're going to discuss the uh the pilot episode of the cw smallville, smallville. somebody save me want to go ahead and Are hit us up with singing her? now i am you've been singing that all day i have okay i won't get right back do you just somebody save me somebody save me, me. come on right back to you okay my voice cracked go ahead (laughs) somebody save me a desperate voice calls is it lex calling out after one of his falls clark's (laughs) an alien shocker how does he deal by getting abducted then strung up in a field beat the freak kent so you and lana can chill or wait several seasons onward to smallville 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 uh so what did you think overall amory this is more my speed. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I fi- well, you're you're a big like Dawson's Creek fan too, and this is kind of like the Dawson's Creek. I'm currently mm. marathoning Gilmore <laughs> Girls again, well, I- so it's my. I like yeah. shiny poppy things <laughs> from when I was in high school and college. Okay, whatever. A oh, uh, highway words in the chat room. I didn't see you come in there, by the way. I, which, by the way, if you're watching this video and you want to chat with us, uh, the chat's at live.universebox.com. Now, yeah, I was kind of middling on my reaction, but I. This is uh, well before I stopped watching Smallville, so I, I, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me both when I first watched this pilot the night it premiered, back in college actually, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I believe it was actually right after a Rocky Horror uh, rehearsal. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, but uh, is all the Silver Age influences uh, th- that are included in in this show. Now, uh, Smallville was billed as an update, sort of a modern uh, Dawson's Creek with Superman kind of thing, uh, very much in the CW style. Uh, but it's actually – it took a lot of the plot points from Silver Age comics, like uh, mainly su- the Superboy comic. Uh, now, uh, in the Silver Age, Superboy and Lex grew up as friends. They were really good friends growing up. Superboy even built Lex this lab and got him all this equipment so he could do all sorts of crazy experiments. And uh, it was actually um, – while Lex was doing some of these experiments that he lost his hair. Uh, basically, he was creating a new form of life, big explosion. Superboy comes in, blows out the explosion, kills the new form of life and sprays chemicals all over lex causing his hair to fall out which is what makes lex hate him kind of a weak motivation but we also see here in smallville that uh the meteor shower that brings clark Mm -hmm. to earth is what causes lex to lose his hair and uh kind of defines lex as a person almost as we go on in the series and also uh lana lang uh was the love interest in the she was the lois lane 
in the the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s Superboy comics. And Pete Ross was also there. He was a friend and confidant to Clark. He was also uh, one of the few people in Smallville who knew Superboy's secret identity, but he never let Superboy know that he knew his secret identity uh, because he didn't want Superboy to feel weird around him. So he just kept it, kept it in his head that he knew that Superboy was Clark Kent and tried to help him you know, cover Mm -hmm. where he could without letting Superboy know he knew. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was there something in the chat room? Yes. Uh, Wurzel pointed out that the guy who played Lex was in Sorority Boys. He was. He's a really good Lex, but hard to Mm -hmm. picture in Sorority Boys. Okay, I had no idea. I did not make the connection. I'm sorry. Don't judge me. I love Sorority Boys. Oh, you didn't realize that was Lex? No. You know, I didn't watch Smallville. Here, let's, uh, we'll we'll get a picture here. No, no, there's better. Big yeah. puffy hearts. There we go, sorority boys, oh and there's uh, Lex Luthor right there. So the, great with the yellow bag and everything. Oh, so great. Yeah, did he that. ever do any other movies besides that? I don't know. I don't <laughs> care. It was a great movie. Don't judge me. You just like sorority boys. That's fine. Okay. Now, I, I I would also like to point out there was a little bit of influence from the post-crisis version of Superboy in here. And that's basically that Clark wanted to be a football player. Uh, that's a, in that it was originally introduced in the uh, post-crisis origin story, uh, John Byrne's Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. And actually, the first page of the first issue has him in a uh, football uniform out on the field playing. And it's something they've kind of kicked down the field. Haha, <laughs> uh, kicked down the field wow. and used on pretty much every incarnation of the character since then. Mm-hmm. I, now, I never really liked it. I, I'm not a big sports guy, for one. And uh, Superman, as I know him, would rather cooperate than compete in general. Lex is more of the, the guy who's into competition and always winning everything. Superman just wants to do what's right and help people who can't help themselves. He wasn't trying to compete by playing mm-hmm. football. He was trying to fit in by playing football. Yes. He was trying to save himself mm-hmm. and make friends. And as previously pointed out by mm-hmm. me, he wanted to be normal. Yeah, and uh, that's definitely something they improved on in Smallville versus mm-hmm the uh, Man of Steel uh, series because uh, in the Man of Steel series he he was in it solely uh, for to glorify himself you know to, mm-hmm. to you know be be the the hot guy at the the big man on campus sort of thing mm-hmm. where in Smallville it's more he just wants to to rise up to the normal level right you know and so I think Smallville did a much better job of kind of kind of conveying that but I, I still never really liked it and that's because you don't like sports yeah a bit, honestly a big <laughs> part of it is I don't like sports and I, I don't get don't get your peanut butter in my chocolate. Don't get your cho- don't get your sports in my Superman. Don't get my Superman in your sports. And don't release a Please special put edition chocolate in peanut butter. Yes. <laughs> and don't release a special edition of Ford trucks uh, for the Man of Steel. Oh. <laughs> Which they did. Oh. Okay. Wall of Weird Girl. Chloe. Chloe. Chloe sure. Sullivan. Whoever she is. Told you I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. Um. So they're supposed to be freshmen. How does she have this massive wall of hidden st- of st- weird stories hidden inside the school this early? early in the school year it's homecoming time homecoming happens like in the first month of school <laughs> and she has an entire hidden room that nobody's torn down well she's a she's a in, in there are actually uh specials on the season one dvds uh that kind of go into this but she's she's a av uh newspaper yearbook which <sighs> as we both probably know because we both did that in high school gives you a, a greater 
access to the school and usually you can go in over the summer and stuff like that as long as you're like you know like editor but level she so. has a gigantic wall mm-hmm. of stuff in a room like I, I think the implication is that she's been amassing that over the summer because those little vignettes that, that are in the thing they're all like okay i'm here you know on summer break doing my little special report series about all these meteor freaks or whatever uh-huh. and it, and i mean it, it kind of expands over the course too but yeah i mean i can see your point though it just it just makes no sense that she's had the time and that nobody mm. else can see this like Otan Degasa says Superman peanut butter in your chocolate, of course, because we add the Superman peanut yeah, butter commercial. Superman peanut butter in my chocolate. I'm okay with that. Mm. Um, but like, did she start? I don't know. It just feels weird. Like, yeah, okay. She worked about on it. I have issues. <laughs> I, I have issues. Yeah, um, actually. Uh, and you know why I have issues. Well, I was just going to say that there, there's actually a uh, similar s- situation going on in uh, one of my dog boy books. And you had an issue with that, too. You were like, how are these kids in the school? I don't understand. <laughs> And yet I don't question things on Dawson's Creek and Gilmore Girls. <laughs> um, but, but it's like she had to have started this wall in middle school. Like, did mm-hmm. she have a wall in middle school and took it down at the end of the year and hung it back up at the beginning of high school? Like, Maybe. that's weird. Also, freshmen, even if in these types of organizations, yearbook, newspaper, mm-hmm. blah, 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 they don't have the access. They're freshmen. Yeah. Angel says in the chat room, plot convenience. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Plot convenience. But really, this could have been in her mm-hmm. house. This yeah. could have been in the back of her closet and been like, hey, you know, the guys came over and we looked at the wall in her house. Mm-hmm. That. I'd have had zero problems with. Well, it, it's the fact that it's in the stinking school. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I th- think it was probably just uh, to give them like a consistent location to go to for like rallying before the big fight or the big trying to find the meteor freak or whatever the problem is that week or whatever. All right, fine. Also, does she have a crush on Clark or the other guy? Clark. Okay. Definitely, I kind of figured. Definitely Clark. I figured as such, but yeah. you know, it's the only the first yeah. episode. You know, actually when when we first watched the pilot, me and uh, JG, Jason George, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, we were sure that Chloe was going to, through some sort of weird back alley name change or something, was going to be revealed as Lois Lane. Just because she, uh... she fits so clearly into that archetype. But it ended up, uh, it, the few seasons later when Lois showed up, She's actually Chloe's cousin, which makes total sense. Yeah, completely. They're very similar. Okay, now, the the thing I don't like about this show... (laughs) Is the thing that I like about the show. Is the CW-ness of it all. And this is... also part of the pro- why i have problems with uh watching flash and arrow and everything too of of course uh you know this style for starters everybody looks way too old for their parts they're playing 16 year olds and they're 30 25 or so yeah. yeah that was an issue and they're also all super pretty they're they're models they're abercrombie and fitch models and they're all dressed in the latest fashions or whatever you know warner brothers has a deal with that week and uh, this episode didn't have it but they also uh we called him promo pete back in the day pete ross he would always when there was a new uh, single out from a Warner Brothers artist that they needed promoting you know Pete would just pass it to Clark and it would just stay right in the center of the frame for about five seconds nice. or if there was like a Smallville soundtrack he'd be playing songs off of it if there was a Letterman's jacket that they were promoting that week on the Pete would it. be wearing it you know so uh, you know that kind of commercialization to all the tie-ins and everything was kind of lame I you know the scene in the graveyard too I thought was very CW oh. it was so cheesy it was awful just over-the-top cheesy in the whole like because they're basically sitting by lana's parents grave and she's like you know sometimes i come out here and talk to them and she has kind of a, a faux conversation with her dead parents and the clerk's like okay i'll do that too uh, hey miss mr lane uh hey can i date your daughter sure why not and it's just like 
it, that that would have probably blown any real person's chances of ever having a relationship yeah, with no, that person. Yeah, no, that would be like. It almost felt like he was making fun of her for talking to yes, talking to it. Yeah, it did feel like he was making fun of her. It was really yeah, it, it was just a really really weird scene. I also, um, what's up with uh, Creeper Clark spying on Lana through Constantly. a telescope? Yeah, like, it, I mean, people had a ton of issues with Brandon Routh's Superman, like watching Lois Lane when he comes back from Earth and he thinks, "Oh, I might have a kid with her," and so he's like checking out the house to see what the living situation's like. And people are like, "Stalker Superman! Superman would never do that." Mm-hmm. He, he he's watching the girl next door through a telescope, like in her room. Yeah, it's creepy. That's creepy. It's just a little that's creepy. Totes creepy. And also. The uh, the acting uh, uh, across the board here is uh, really weak overall, but I, I will say that especially Tom Welling, but uh, you know he wasn't selected for his acting ability. To his credit, though, he got a lot better as the show went on. Until like when I checked out around uh, the Supergirl season, uh, he not only was he a really good actor on the show, but he was also writing or I think directing episodes. Oh, he, really? Yeah, he he fell into sort of a leadership position on the sh- show to where he was a part of the creative team too. Hmm. So you know, I, he got better. He got, he got better. better then. Yes, he got better then. Okay, Lana's necklace freaked me out. Oh, the kryptonite, the kryptonite necklace. necklace. I get you want something sentimental and all that, but that thing was huge. Mm-hmm. That was an uncomfortable size stone. Yes, definitely. and it was ugly because it was kryptonite <laughs> but like i mean and it just seemed really obvious that like clark wasn't just nervous around her mm. he physically is falling over i i did enjoy that they managed to find a way to slip into the first episode though that bumbling clark kent persona yeah it, it, they found a way to at least get that in the first episode even yeah. if it wasn't like on purpose yeah i'm sorry i just had such serious issues with that necklace because it was so big and ugly it, it, that's kind of weird though that would have Almost be like Bruce Wayne wearing the bullet that killed his parents around his neck, you know? Yes! <laughs> yes! It's just like, it's morbid. Mm-hmm. But then again, this is the girl that a knight is going to the graveyard and talking to her parents' grave and making them talk back. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, she's too pretty for that. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> she's too pretty for the crazy. Bruce Wayne wears the uh, the bullet around his neck signed by Joe Chill. Beautiful. Okay, so Anne-Marie, uh, does uh, the pilot episode of Smallville pass the wonder test for you? I think it's pretty obvious that this is my type of TV mm. show. Sorry about your <laughs> luck. I'll probably be marathoning this in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's, That's fair. my life. Oh, Angel in the chat room says it's kind of common for CW shows to have the actors start directing. I, th- it's, I think mm. um, CWWB, that sort of area, it's a place for them to grow. Because yeah. it, it's kind of, in a sense, starter shows. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes on to bigger and better things, but where do you learn how to do the bigger and better things? Who's going to give you that opportunity? This is where you go to do that. Yeah. Because they do start off with all of their shows are so young. So you do have the younger actors and actresses. So they watch, they learn, they do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. Sorry. So yes. let's see. Uh, as for me, uh, no. Smallville <laughs> did not uh, hold up to the wonder test for me. Well, I watched the first several seasons and I, I liked them well enough. I never became really passionate about the show. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that, you know, the first, the pilot episode and most of the first season had me really, really excited. And I was like, you know, once the se- series gets a few years in and mm-hmm. they give them the tights and stuff, I know they say they're not going to, oh, the but they're going to. They, they have to, right? That, you know, it's going to be the, a 
really good Superman show. Mm-hmm. It just it never got there for me. And I, I, I will say that uh, Smallville is a big part of the reason I just can't get into Arrow and Flash. Like I said, it's just too much of that CW style. And I one day I'm probably like when I'm old and infirm and I can't do anything but sit there and watch TV. I'm probably going to go back and rewatch the last few or watch the last few seasons for the first time. I have seen the final episode though. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Okay, so uh, this uh, next thing here that oh, we're going to do. Oh, this next thing here. Oh, yeah. So if you Prepare guys... Prepare yourselves, it, folks. If you guys didn't know, I'm a big Superman fan. I don't know if you guessed that or not. I, I've been trying to bite my tongue and hold back the inner fanboy. I'm really not trying to hit my mic constantly. <laughs> the, I don't know what's wrong. But I've been trying to hold back the inner fanboy the entire episode and be as neutral as possible. But here's where I'm going to fanboy out, and I'm going to do it for exactly two, two minutes. minutes. So I, ha- I have my notes here. Um, let's see here. And I have a special thing here so you guys can see the timer too. Okay, yeah, we have two minutes and I'm just going to geek out for two minutes. Just let me have my two minutes and uh, let's see here. Okay, we're going to go in three, two, one, go. He's very colorful. He has a bunch of powers that work really well together. He always tries to do what's right. He never hurts somebody if he can help it. He shows compassion to his enemies. His main weakness is being a really good person. He's a muckraking journalist using the truth to change a city. As Clark Kent, he's a sharp dresser. I identify with him. I really identify with him. One, because my fa- my father died before I was born. And my father's uh, legend uh, drives and haunts me, much like jor does for Superman. Uh, Superman moved from a small rural area to a major city because of his great ambition, like I did. And he's also not satisfied with superficial relationships. He wants Lois to like him for who he is, not what he can do. He's so good at saving the day because people think he's overpowered. He's not even the most powerful person on the Justice League. That's Martian Manhunter. He's not afraid to wear his underwear on the outside. Uh, Lois and Clark taught me what a healthy romantic relationship looks like. One of his main villains is a godlike being from the fifth dimension, but Soups is so likable, Mr. Mixia's Pitalik only can only play pranks on him breath his best friend jimmy olsen is a screw-up with money problems even though he could kill batman from a mile away he gives him a fair fight whenever they end up in fisticuffs lois lane was my dream girl uh there are more colors of kryptonite than colors of the rainbow he's a scientist who's constantly trying to cure earth diseases in his fortress lab he has a fortress of freaking solitude. He's so universal that he's both a Christ figure and a Moses figure. He pulls off the boots. Everybody looks more powerful in a Superman suit. He saved Lucy Ricardo when she climbed out on the ledge. Clark Kent is the world master at making excuses to exit a conversation. He's the only one still using phone booths. The only person Jor-El trusted to tell uh, when and where Superman's rocket would land was Albert freaking Einstein. He had multiple personality disorder back in the 90s and dressed up as a vigilante named Gangbuster. He trusted JFK with his secret identity. One time he became a super lion. He's a living solar battery. His girlfriend was trained by a green beret. Every Silver Age Superman cover makes him look like a jerk. Metropolis is is a match. Oh, 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 oh. And we're done. And we're done. Okay. I geeked out. I I made it through about a page and a half. I still have a page and a half of stuff that I typed off the top of my head. But Primony. Okay. Let me get my breath here. Thank you for letting me geek out. I really, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, too. Okay. I've been holding them back all week. (laughs) It's crazy. Okay, so now we're going to open up the idea box to uh, answer some questions that you guys submitted to us through our, the form at universebox.com slash idea box. I'll just show that to you real quick. It's real easy. You just come here, you type in your idea, idea, hit submit, boom, we have it. And then we have stuff to talk about. Now, unfortunately, because Anne-Marie's not a huge Superman fan, I might be fielding Shocking. most of these questions by myself. Shocking. But, you know, if, if you feel like jumping in on any of these... I mean, I'll answer each as best I can. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Oh, gosh. Hold on, I'm just now looking at them. 
Um, okay. I'll try. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, first question is, what's the first time you remember seeing Superman or seeing something with Superman for the first time? Uh, for me, it was probably when I was about three years old. I remember, I don't even remember seeing a comic book or a cartoon or anything with Superman on it, but I remember being in my Superman pajamas, uh, jumping off the couch and Shocking. being confused as to why I couldn't fly and demanding a cape for the pajamas so I could fly because I figured the cape is what made you fly. That's fantastic. Um, oh. Man, we're just hitting all the mics tonight. I kind of, I can't really remember the first time I saw Superman. The first thing that I could even picture was Superman, which I'm sure wasn't the first time I saw him. My family owned a bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And they had specialty bowling balls. And I'm pretty sure there was a Superman one. Like, I feel like that's like sticking out. There's there's like a faint little picture back here. So that's the first Superman I'm really remembering. I know. Sorry. <laughs> that's very, and, uh, Ton, Ton Degasa says Super Friends for sure. Scotty says uh, watching the movies at a young age. And uh, Angel says, uh, oh, I don't know, probably like. The cartoons, like the reruns of Super Friends, Bobby Super Friends. Yeah, a lot of Super Frenzies. Why are you people in your Super Frenzies? <laughs> okay, so let's see here. And this is probably one that you can't answer, Anne-Marie. What is your favorite Superman story? Okay, I yeah, have... Well, let Bill take this one. I have a couple here. I have a, a book here. In, a couple of them are actually in here, so it's convenient. Uh, called The Greatest Superman Stories Ever Told. And uh, the first one is... It's called The Night of of March 31st. And basically what it is, it's a it's an eight-page story from the 60s, and you just go through and Superman's going through his day and everything's wrong. He's f- flying out of his uh, out for the day without his cape on. He's coming in through a wall instead of coming in through a window. Uh, Bizarro Perry White is his boss. Bizarro. All this kind of stuff. And you're tra- you're supposed supposed to figure out uh solve the riddle of what the big deal is with the night of march 31st and the big deal because the first panel is uh clark kent climbing into bed the night of march 31st so the secret to march 31st is the day after the the morning clark wakes up and most of the story takes place is april fool's day so everything's off because it's april fool's day and then uh one other one i'll mention in here real quick is just uh this one and this is uh i think the best superman story ever written and this is uh, also my favorite uh superman writer ever it's uh, by elliot s magan s with an exclamation point it's called must there be a superman uh now basically what happens is the guardians of the galaxy the guys who give the green lanterns their powers mm-hmm. uh they they call uh superman up to their home planet and they're like you you can't help the earthlings as much as you have been you're holding them back and then they just send them back to earth just with that kind of nugget yeah. of doubt in his head it, really good story and i also recommend uh his two superman novels are really good too a uh, miracle monday mm-hmm. and last son of krypton okay let's see um scotty rowland says uh, the wedding of lois and superman comic that was a, that was a pretty good one if i remember correctly a uh, ton Degasa liked miracle monday i believe i uh, read that That's on my that. recommendation and angels with me oh and uh, answer when says uh first time uh, she remembers seeing superman was uh those cheapo superman halloween cartoons or uh, costumes at the drugstore okay last question and this is like like, you know, everyone has their their Doctor Who. Who is your Superman? Um, honestly, the person I think of when I think of Superman is Dean Cain. Dean Cain. Dean Cain. That's fair. Just because Lois and Clark was coming out when I was like old enough to like really know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And you know, we didn't watch the older stuff. So <laughs> that's who I see. Yeah, I, I it, probably actually a tie between uh, George Reeves and Dean Cain for me. Uh, mm-hmm. The Superman from the Adventures of Superman. And and the new adventures of Superman. Because I met George first, mm-hmm. and I, I love that show. It, it, probably the best Clark Kent show they ever did, because it was really focused on the Clark Kent character. But then I started watching Lois and Clark, and not 
not only do I have the attachment of loving the episodes, but I also became a big part of the community, community, right. uh, the online community around Lewis and Clark. And uh, so, so it, it just like really locked me in with that show and that interpretation of Superman. The whole like Clark Kent is what he does. Superman is or Clark Kent is who he is. Superman is what he does. It's something that I think is fundamental to the character, too. Yeah. And uh, everybody here is saying uh, Christopher. Most of the, most people yeah. are saying was there a Superman, which is completely fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see here. What's going to be in the box for next week, oh, Amory? Okay. <laughs> do, 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 do. What's in the box? What's in the box? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Can you handle it? No. I love the 90s. Strikes back. Yes. Uh, next week on Universe Box, we're talking, we're traveling back to the 1990s. Not, but actually we are, and we won't stop until Hammer Time is complete. Oh, What's your favorite 90s band? Ever watched TGIF? How many hours did you waste watching Fresh Prince? Tell, tell <laughs> us, I could still do that. <laughs> tell us your first date going to see Deep Impact. Uh, we're talking the 90s next week on Universe Box. Better bring some Dunkaroos, which I don't think they make <gasps> anymore. Love Dunkaroos. Right? And I, be- I believe uh, we're going to do Wonder Box with TGIF. I'm going to try and find I- – I know on YouTube sometimes they have like a completely unbroken block of a broadcast for TGIF on ABC. I'm going to try and find one of those. And so – Watch out our uh, Twitter at universe and underscore Facebook. box. I, and uh, we'll go ahead and post the link there once we find it. Which, by the way, if you have any 90 stories you want to send in, great way to do it. Email us, universeboxshow at gmail.com. Tweet us at universe underscore box. The Facebook is facebook.com slash the universe box. And the voicemail number is 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. And we have, we have a few voicemails here. They're a little bit lengthy, but... Enjoy. I really like them. Yeah. Uh, but first up, as usual, is Bobby. Take it away, Bobby. Hey, Bill and Anne-Marie, it's Bobby. I don't have a lot of thoughts to share about Superman. I've never been a big fan of the character myself, more of a Marvel zombie. So I figured I'd do like I do on most episodes of Universe Box and share a personal story. Uh, So my personal story involving Superman would be when I was about three, would have been just before we left New York. Uh, My mom had, I was home with mom. She had chores to do and whatnot. So she set me down in front of the virtual babysitter. Of course, I'm talking of the television. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, This was early. 80s so i'm sure we didn't have cables we would have had like four or five different channels to choose from maybe a dozen if we were lucky depending on reception so at the time the only choice for me uh, to you know to put on the tv would have been probably the macy's thanksgiving day parade i've never understood (laughs) the draw of the macy's thanksgiving day parade so i'm watching the the parade and of course the floats start popping out with like the pop culture icons of the time there was probably a laverne and shirley float a fonzie float some (laughs) like broadway number done on a float as it was going by the happy days of course me being three the only thing i was wanting to see were the balloons Scooby-Doo, Snoopy, Bullwinkle, and then there he was. 40 feet wide, or 30 feet wide maybe, (laughs) 80 feet long. Took at least a dozen people to drag him through the streets. Pointed to the heavens as if he was just about to take (laughs) off, as if he had just taken off her flight. It was Superman. Don't know why, like I said, I've never been a fan of the character, but at that moment I was in awe. I'm sure it was the size of him. But I decided I was going to fly through the air like Superman. So I go over to the dresser, which was probably Mm. about twice as tall as I was. Open the drawers to create a staircase to get to the top. 
and with all the might I could muster, I leapt into the air to fly across the room. And for a brief moment, I actually thought I had succeeded. I guess technically I was flying for half a second, maybe. That was until the cruel, harsh mistress named Gravity paid me a visit. I landed headfirst in a small metal wastebasket, and I busted my head open. I still got, like, this weird backward C scar (laughs) on the right side of my forehead just under my hairline. You're a Kryptonian, Bobby. (laughs) So that now every time I look in the mirror and see that backwards C scar, I think of Superman, the overpowered Boy Scout. (laughs) Thank you very much, Bobby. And he's not overpowered. He's not even the most powerful guy in the Justice League. I thought I'd explain this. Uh, Tondagasa in the chat room says, uh, give us some Kingdom Come love, Bill. Obviously, love Kingdom Come. If I hadn't tossed it out this weekend... that would be a Kingdom Come Superman shirt on Rumple back oh. there. Uh, but it also, um, oh, what, where was it? Uh, yeah, oh, Guess Monkey, uh, as far as the answer for uh, Guess Monkey Superman, uh-huh. my dad, which I thought was a really good answer, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, next up is Michael Lucero, who has uh, quite a big treatise on uh, on Superman here uh, that I haven't listened to yet. So uh, take it away, Michael. Hey, Bill and Anna-Marie, it's Michael. Uh, hey. I've always been a comics fan, though never a hardcore one. And I've always been more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy. Although, you know, Superman and Batman are, of course, iconic, no matter what your experience or inexperience mm-hmm. with comics. Of the two, I honestly know more about Batman, so uh, I, I come to the Superman as a character uh, with relatively little knowledge. Uh, I, of course, I've read the novel It's Superman, which I loved, mm-hmm. as well as the comic Secret Identity, and of course Smallville, uh, all of which I loved. By the way, my favorite aspect of Smallville is Clark and Lex Luthor's early friendship and alliance. Uh, and I, I really think the gradual, the, the friendship and the gradual falling out between them was always very tragic, even if inevitable from a story perspective. Uh, but it was my favorite part of that show. Maybe that's where I originally got the idea of, uh, shaving my head. Um, <laughs> I've also seen Superman in the Justice League cartoons, of course, in the, especially the ones in the late nineties and early aughts. Um, so I'm not the biggest Superman fan, uh, that, of course that would be Bill probably. But I do like the biggest. character, of course, um, and more so now than I did when I was growing up. And, and But really, there's an interesting irony about Superman that I want to talk about, uh, especially when you consider the origin of his name. So I'm not sure how many people know about this, um, probably a lot, but the name Superman is basically a transi- uh, translation of the German word Übermensch, uh, which mm-hmm. is a philosophical idea from Friedrich Nietzsche. Um, uh, of the those niche. who are aware of this, I'm not sure how many people realize what the idea behind the word actually is. Uh, I'm not really going to go into Nietzsche's ideas in depth, mainly because I don't agree with his philosophy at all. Fair enough. Uh, but just in brief, it, it started out as a reactionary a- a- idea against Christianity. Um, he denied the existence of God, and so he held that there's therefore no real basis for morality or values. And so a true Ubermensch or Superman can define his own morality and values. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, what these values are doesn't matter if we are the only ultimate source of them. Uh, so because of that, uh, Nietzsche held uh, up the Ubermensch as the ultimate goal, uh, as a kind of vision of humanity uh, that had surpassed everything that humanity has accomplished up till now. Um, so to a lot of people, that'll that'll sound just fine. But the problem uh, is that Nietzsche saw the Superman as an ultimate goal uh, against which everything else had to be measured. Uh, all human lives had to be valued 
uh, based solely on their effectiveness in making humanity greater. Uh, so in other words, if you stood in the way of hu humanity realizing the Superman, uh, you were nothing. Uh, so for women, if they didn't give birth to children who either were Superman or paved the way for the Superman, they were nothing. Um, so whether, whether Nietzsche intended it or not, his philosophy uh, also served as the root of movements like eugenics, uh, fascism, the rise of the Nazi party. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the irony comes in, since Superman, of course, uh, the comic book character, was created by uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, two Jewish kids, uh, shortly before World War II. Uh, there's there's some question as to whether they knew that the name they were using for their superhero was also being used by Hitler uh, to describe his master race. Uh, but they probably just took it from science fiction, where it had kind of filtered in as well. Uh, but whatever the case on that, um, Superman, as he appears in the comics, bears little resemblance to the ubermensch of uh, Nietzsche's philosophy, thankfully. Uh, in fact, Lex Luthor is probably more of a Nietzschean Superman than Superman himself. Um, in, in Smallville, I think there's an episode where Lionel Luthor, um, uh, Lex's father, calls Clark an Ubermansch, uh, thereby completely missing the point about what's truly great about him. Um, one of my favorite nonfiction authors, uh, G.K. Chesterton, he addressed the idea of the Superman uh, in a book called Heretics. Uh, so quoting from him really quick, uh, Nietzsche summed up all that is interesting in the Superman idea when he said, man is a thing which has to be surpassed. But the very word surpass implies the existence of a standard common to us and the thing surpassing us. If the Superman is more manly, meaning more human, uh, than men are, of course they will ultimately deify him, even if they happen to kill him first. But if he is simply more supermanly, they might be quite indifferent to him as they would to another seemingly aimless monstrosity. Uh, he must submit to our test even in order to overawe us. Mere force or size alone will never make men think man their superior. Supermen, if not good men, are vermin. Uh, <laughs> so he goes on to say, Nietzsche's Superman is cold and friendless. And when Nietzsche says, a new commandment I give you, be hard, he is really saying, a new commandment I give you, be dead. Sensibility is the definition of life. Um, so go, coming back to the, the comic book character, uh, the great thing about Superman is that he defies his own name. He is not a Superman in the sense that he is not an Ubermensch. Uh, his real strength is not how hard he can punch or how fast he can fly or how invincible he is to bullets. Uh, his real greatness isn't his ability to do things other men can't. His real strength, uh, his real strengths are his goodness, his selflessness, his respect for others. Amen. And, Despite his levels of power, the sheer physical strength of the character is really only a coincidence, I think. Um, otherwise, as Chesterton wrote, he wouldn't be an interesting uh, character at all. We wouldn't even be able to identify him, and he'd be a monster. Um, an at another point, Chesterton says, The greater and stronger a man is, the more he would be inclined to prostrate himself before a periwinkle. Um, to me, that also reflects uh, Superman's wonder and humility in the face of life that is weaker than he is. Uh, Superman is a great man, but he's he's a great man because Christ-like, he makes himself weak and low, not not taking his own abilities for granted. Um, he, he's like a servant of all mankind. Uh, he, he's first among the heroes because he makes himself last. Uh, anyway, that's my long rambling uh, philosophical treatment of <laughs> Superman. Um, uh, can't wait to hear the episode, and I'll talk to you all later.
Bye. No, thank you very much, Michael. Like, uh, it, that, that, that's all information I, I've had seen before or heard, heard before. Uh, maybe not the exact quotes or something, but it was presented probably as good as I've ever mm. heard it presented. So thank you very much for sharing that with, thank uh, you for sharing with our, us listeners. And our listeners. Uh, and, and yeah, there, there, there's a ton of parallels there. And I, a lot of times Superman is definitely painted as a Christ figure mm-hmm. in popular culture. They even had, say, some kind of hints towards that in the Smallville episode with the wings behind him and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I, I, I've also thought he's a, a bit of a Moses figure too, because you know, put in a basket, sent down the old mm-hmm. cosmic river. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Uh, next up is Woo. Take it away, Woo. Growing up, Superman was always a favorite of mine. I always identified with him because being a kid with cerebral palsy, and for those of you who don't know what cerebral palsy is. Part of my brain that controls fine motor skills and the ability to walk is dormant. And I always identified with Superman in the sense of he's a part of two worlds, but really doesn't fully belong to either of them. He doesn't really belong with Kryptonians because he's been on Earth so long he really identifies with being human. But genetically, he's not human. He really can't be human. He can't stop being Kal-El of Krypton. There will always be a part of him. And I identify with that because, yes, I look normal. I sound normal. Almost everything in my body works normally. But I'm not a part of the everyday life of humanity because not everything is wheelchair accessible in this world, unfortunately. And I really identified with the idea of uniqueness. Yes, you're unique. Yes, that's great. But uniqueness can also have a a dark side to it. You're the only one like you. And no one can really understand the emotional strife you go through. That, I think, is one of the most compelling aspects of the character. Because despite all of that, he still has this endless optimism for the future and this endless optimism for the potential of humanity. I think that's Superman's strongest trait is his hope for the future. And some may say, oh, Superman's boring or he's too powerful. And in a sense, that's true in some aspects. But I think it's because most writers do not know how to write him because Amen. they cannot understand what it's like to be in that kind of a situation that Superman is in. I still think the best portrayal of the character is by Christopher Reeve. That's one of the last movies that I ever saw with my mother before she left. I I, I, I will just uh, interject real quick, Wu, just to say I, I think uh, Christopher also gave the best or the most convincing version of Clark Kent as far as like being able to uh, keep the secret identity stuff going on. I loved every aspect of that movie from the John Williams score to the wonderful portrayal of both Superman and Clark Kent by the late great Christopher Reeve, who is a hero also of mine who who inspired me first as Superman and then later on with his philanthropic work Mm -hmm. for for people with with spinal issues and the urging of stem cell research I think people don't really realize the, the impact that Superman has had on the world I don't think people realize that without him there would be no comic book superheroes Without him, there wouldn't be anything that came after it, like Batman, Daredevil, The Avengers. None of that would have happened without Superman. I, one last thing before I go. 
One thing I realized throughout my lifetime is I have Superman's problems, not only emotionally, not only physically sometimes, but in terms of my relationships, I tend to be attracted to the more difficult and more, you know, stubborn, strong women <laughs> like Lois Lane. Me I too. think uh, that Lois Lane is one of the most unique and groundbreaking characters in fiction because she wasn't a damsel in distress. She actually had a real job that wasn't a secretary. She would would walk up to a man and tell, tell him just like it is. And that was very unique for the time. And I, I've i often looked at Lois Lane as the kind of woman that I would want to fall in love with and have a relationship with. And I think I think the writer Neil Gaiman said it best. Whether it's something you roll up and put in your back pocket and collect in your treehouse or a little device that you tap on and it downloads the contents into your retina. In 150 years, kids will still be wondering what's going on with Superman. They did in 1938, and I think they'll, they will continue to wonder about that long after we're all gone in the next generation of, and the next generation of comic book readers comes about. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you very much, Wu. Oh, Wu. <laughs> Oh, always such great stuff from Will. I know. Will, you're awesome. Definitely, definitely. And if you, if you haven't uh, watched the home video that we did with uh, Wu's story for the first episode, definitely go to you our to. YouTube channel at youtube.universebox.com and check that out. Great story there, too. Thank you very much, Wu. Okay, we have a couple uh, letters to wrap up with here. Uh, first, a haiku from Hope. Wow. Uh, Hope's haiku is, I hate Superman. Sorry, Bill. He is the worst. Can we still be friends? Answers <laughs> no hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course we're friends. Of course we're friends, Hope. Hope, I'm not a big mm. Superman person and he married me, so I mean, he <laughs> ought to at least be your friend. And Angel in the chat room says, uh, <laughs> thinks it's great uh, that comic book characters do act as inspiration and become something more than just a drawing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, they're kind of... They're kind of the new mythology, too. They're, uh, yeah. you know, where the Greeks and Romans would look towards uh, Zeus and stuff like that to kind of get their morality plays and teach them how to be good people. We look to Superman or Batman or whatever. Right. Okay, you want to wrap up with this letter from Patty? Sure. Uh, hey, Bill and Anne-Marie. I never really had an issue with Superman having some, excuse me, so many powers since <laughs> I always figured that he was the character. Besides, it's not like he doesn't have weaknesses. Everyone knows that he is weak against kryptonite and magic. Um, really, it's the weirdest thing if you stab him in the gut with a magical knife it would do some <laughs> damage um i wonder why lex luther never tried the magical route or magic bullet um he'd have to convince a magician to help him yeah uh regardless i never really thought it was a problem for him to have that many powers since he isn't the only multiple power in the dc universe in fact characters like captain marvel uh wonder woman and dark side are just as equally powerful and rarely do i hear this complaint about them mm -hmm. uh, i think this issue isn't with the powers <coughs> but if they really want to make him relatable then maybe they shouldn't make clark kent side just a persona if superman did i miss something no, no. okay um <laughs> superman may not be the one who you emphasize i can guarantee that clark kent is this is due to the fact that he does get picked on and the person he um and the person he likes doesn't give him the time of day um if they are looking to make him more relatable then developing the clark kent persona would be a good place to start sincerely patty aka sage of earth yeah and some of the best versions of superman do really kind of uh focus on the Clark Kent aspect of his mm -hmm. personality. And, and yeah, they, the, the whole 
whole complaint about him being overpowered or he's boring because he has every superpower. He had he had all these powers first. That's kind of like saying, man, why 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 do the Beatles always have to rip off NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys <laughs> or you know something like that, which we'll be getting a lot of next week. Yes, nineties. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I want it that way. It ain't no lie. Bye, bye, bye. But uh, thank you very much, Patty, for your letter. And uh, if you guys want to send us your own 90s uh, stories next week, the email is universeboxshow at gmail.com. The Twitter is at universe underscore box. The Facebook is facebook.com slash the universe box. And the voicemail number is 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. Uh, now a couple takeaways here as we wrap up tonight. Uh, first, every superhero out there stole something from Superman. Superman is one of only five fictional characters known across the world. There is a right and wrong in the universe, and that distinction is not hard to make. And Superman's greatest weakness is being a good person, which I think is uh, mm-hmm. is okay. That's acceptable. A good, that's a good weakness to have. He can probably he can probably live with that uh, for yeah. sure. Thank you again to everyone who tuned Thank in, you guys. Uh, in the we chat room tonight. Nice for, big chat tonight. Yeah, I think awesome. also our longest episode ever, which uh, yeah. appropriate. Yep. But we kind stuff. of expect it. All, good, all good things. All good things. So, uh, Amory, where can people find you online? Uh, you can I'll find the me chat there. on the Twitter at AMD Simone. Okay, and as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Bill Meeks. You can follow the superhero stories I write at, I'm showing Amory here. Yeah. At uh, com. Here's Danger on Liberty Pier. It's a good one. And uh, you can follow all the other podcasts we do, like Legends of Gotham, Greetings from Storybrook, etc., at universebox.com. So I, I guess that's about it. I, a lot of fun doing the Superman episode. It was interesting. I knew it was going to be super packed. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Is it time for Harry Potter yet? A few more weeks. Few I don't have weeks. this much paraphernalia, though. <laughs> okay. Well, until next time, remember, remember to, to think, think outside. outside. Do, Do not adjust, adjust your computer, computer screen. screen. It's your, your mind we're changing. Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universe box. <laughs> Don't you love this picture of Superman we That's got for the, the thing? Awful there? picture of Superman. But he's, I know he still why looks you like chose Superman. It. It's a great reason to choose it.